Welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. You've sunk your fingers a little bit into this passage right here. We want to give everybody a chance. Uh, so if, if you're used to coming to church and just come, why do I have to do something while I'm here? <laughs> right? We're, we don't do it that way. Like we try to make it as participative as possible to where it's not just you receiving something, but you actually get a starting point to look in there. And, and maybe there are some things that are standing out to you. Maybe, you know, uh, there's phrases. Maybe you've heard this tons. Um, I, I'm not sure, but here's what I know for sure um, is that God's word um, can penetrate it deeply into our hearts. All right. And it's not going to be because I have this incredible gift of influence and persuasion and all of these things, but um, this is powerful. This is really powerful. And I would appreciate what Pat brought up about wrestling with our faith. If that is uncomfortable to you, then this may be an uncomfortable place because when you take the Bible, I think what's happened oftentimes in Christianity is we want to make it we, we've dumbed it down and made it so like just lame in order for everybody to just be able to go, oh, yeah, yeah, that was great. I agree with everything. Now let me go off and feel better about myself. But when we're serious about living this out, you want to know what? We need to be great at wrestling with our faith. This needs to be the place where we can come and wrestle with our faith. If, if we want, like, again, there's plenty of places you can go to that can just give you, you know, uh, like Pat was saying, just kind of the happy, feel good um, idea. And, and it, the worst thing that some people want is for you to wrestle with your faith, except, listen, our king that we follow, it, man, he throws some things out that require us to wrestle require us to think through, require us to, to, to dig into our own hearts. And just hearing it for a little bit on, on an afternoon, on a Sunday, really isn't enough. It's, we have to take it back. And, and as Pat was sharing, sometimes it's offensive. Sometimes I'm angry. Sometimes I'm overwhelmed. Sometimes I'm just overflowing with joy and confidence and courage and all of these things. But We've got to be willing to wrestle with this and we've got to help one another. Sometimes it can be uncomfortable when you're wrestling with your faith, especially, you know, we live in the Bible Belt, right? And so um, you may have been brought up being told like, man, it's the worst thing in the world is that you would wrestle with your faith. Okay. But the truth of the matter is, is that's what we want. We want to be helping one another. We want to be digging in. So we're going to read this passage again. um, And uh, then we're going to move on to the lesson. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. 
don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's pray. Father, um, as we come to you, as we open up your word again, as we um, read uh, just this amazing um, letter, Father, uh, we want to come to you with a posture of humility. Um, we want to come to you, Father, um, knowing that you have the words of life. We want to come to you not as experts, Father, but as students. We want to come to you, Father, knowing that we need you, every part of who you are. Father, I pray that you break down any walls that are inside. You know every one of us. Father, you know, every, you know who needs encouragement. You know, Father, there's sometimes we need a kick in the pants. You know that perfectly, Father. And uh, we, again, we want to come to you um, as, as our king, Father, that we aren't trying to grasp equality with you, um, but we truly come to you in your word in humility. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Uh, so as we talked about on Thursday, uh, that's, that's been the purpose of the first five or six weeks of our, um, of our series here. We've been talking about this journey. And every, the thing I love about this is everybody in here, you're on a journey. Whether you're on a spiritual journey or you know you are or you, whatever, is every single day you wake up, there, that you are on a journey. And here's one of the things that we absolutely know for sure, right, is that God absolutely loves us at our even our worst moments right and and what pat did that was really great is to know that hey there are times discipline is required and there are times when a hug is required and god knows perfectly how to do that but we we have to always know that 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 you are dearly loved but there's a journey okay uh, we didn't when we became disciples we didn't stop Okay, when we were baptized into Christ, we didn't just go, okay, hey, this is how we're going to be. There's this exciting journey we get to be on where the Holy Spirit is forming us into the likeness of Jesus. And sometimes we don't even realize, we haven't even imagined what that would look like. Can you imagine what it would look like for you to be formed into the likeness of Jesus? What you would think about? What would you, you know, how would you love? How would you interact with people? How would you forgive what would your joy be like? Can you imagine that? And oftentimes we never stop for a second to imagine that the Holy Spirit wants to do this and change not just how we behave. Okay, that's, that's not the point. But that we're changed, like every aspect of us is changed. Our attitudes, our thoughts, our relationships, our convictions. And, and that is we live in a world that is getting more and more complicated. We live in a world where even like in, in, in quote unquote religious circles, um, they're becoming pulled into the world politically. Okay. And, and if we're not being formed into the likeness of Christ, we're in big trouble because it's not going to get less complicated here. Okay. So we're on a journey. We want to grow up. We want to be formed into the likeness of Christ. 
The, the, what, one of the things that I've begun doing in the morning when I get up and start praying is I want to pray about these four things, okay? And this is, there, there's, again, a tension because I want to acknowledge the gospel and I want to acknowledge Jesus as my king and I want to acknowledge the idea that, that he loves me. I want to acknowledge that, um, that, uh, um, that his love for me is supposed to transform me. And at the same time, I want to come to him in, a, in this posture of humility to ask him, please search me today, right now. Is there anything false in me? That, that's, that right there, it's, it's hard to just run through that. Because I start thinking, you know, it, when there are things that are false in me, I probably am the last one to know. And when I'm, when I'm praying to Jesus, here's what I'm trusting in, that he is the king he says he is. And I trust that. And I trust that he loves me. And if there's anyone I can pray that to, it's him. Is to search me, to send me messengers. Send me people that are going to give me his message. Not just in his word, but my brothers and sisters who have the Holy Spirit to interact in a way that God is speaking through them and that I won't be upset when they tell me the truth. Okay, that's a, that is so difficult. Like right here sitting in this building uh, Sunday afternoon at 4.30, super easy. And then somebody says something, you're like, how dare you say that about me? Don't judge me. Hey, here's what I'm going to tell you. I need you to judge me. I do. Okay. And, 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 and you're going, man, he just went way off script on the Bible. The Bible doesn't say that. Actually, the Bible does say that. It says we don't judge those outside the church, but we judge those inside the church. And I'm just coming to you to tell you I need that. All right. Now, what I'm not saying is, is okay, if you're hypercritical, going sweet, it's open season. Okay, not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is I do trust that the Holy Spirit that's inside of my brothers and sisters can speak God's word into me and show me things that I need to see that I don't see on my own to strip away just this prayer of stripping away the scaffolding in my life. Everything that's holding me up. Okay, all the things that give me confidence, all the things that make me feel confident in myself, all of those things, whether it's titles or whether it's money or whether it's having things, whatever is holding me up. And sometimes I don't know what it all is of just God just strip those away. See, because that's the point when we're weak, when the scaffolding isn't there, the power of God holds us steady. But oftentimes we have too much scaffolding. We've got the social media scaffolding and the Instagram scaffolding. We've got all these, these things propping us up and academics propping us up and all of these things and what people say about me and my reputation. And then it all gets stripped away and it's a lonely place to be sometimes. But it requires us to go to Jesus. Okay? And then I need this prayer to, for God to show me the futility of the world we live in. Because it's too easy to be tricked by Satan. It's too easy. It's amazing because we've, we've shared a few things in the past few weeks that should make us blush just a little bit about how simply, how simple we are in being tricked by Satan, right? And, and it's right in front of us. You know, we live in this world that's saying, um, let me make you discontent with your life until you buy a certain product, okay? And let's just say, we'll just use like an iPhone, okay? But it's anything, 
It can be a car. It can be whatever it is. Is it, You have companies that say, let me make you discontent with your life until you buy my product. And then once we buy the product, you know what they try to do? Make you feel discontent with their own product to want another one. Okay? Like, when, if we were watching other people do this, we'd go, that, is, that is the dumbest group of people I've ever seen in my life. Like, they haven't figured it out yet. They hadn't figured it out. Like it's the whole mouse family like lined up outside the mouse trap and they see, you know, cousin after cousin getting slammed shut on the trap and going, but that cheese looks pretty good. I think I can get it. Okay, you go, you're an idiot. All right. But this is these are the things I need. But I'm really going to ask us as a community to be praying these really courageously uh, because we need to see this. We need to see the futility of the world because the way Satan does it is he makes it look so good and he makes the world promise so much. And then we see how the world just doesn't deliver, right? Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that, that verse right there, we have to stop, okay? Because he's saying, hold on a minute, therefore, I just told you a whole story about the mercy of God. And it was Romans 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 and 7. And he's saying, hey, this Roman church that's full of Gentiles and Jews, I've just described to you how merciful God is, okay? Because this Jew-Gentile conflict was a racial conflict, and he's teaching them like, no, you come together and you both share in the same faith. You both come together to be in Christ the same way. You know, I've brought you together even in your ignorance. I've brought you together by the mercies of God. So he's giving us the motivation right off the bat. Why should we do anything he's going to tell us next? Because of the mercy of God. And every one of us should be able to look back and go, man, God's been pretty merciful to me. God's been pretty merciful. And if you're having a hard time grasping that, then I would just encourage you to like stop everything you're doing and spend some time in prayer and just meditation on all of the ways that God has been merciful in your life. But he says, by the, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. All right. So this is this is what's cool. OK, we have we have spent four or five, six weeks, like hopefully setting this um, this kind of foundation of of humility this foundation of, you know, what is it going to take on this journey to really be in a great place for the Holy Spirit to transform us? And that Romans 12, we're going to go through this whole chapter because this is so crazy good right here because it builds on this of, of what it means to be transformed, what it means to not conform to the world. But he says, here's the thing is, first and foremost, on your journey... As we grow and are formed in Christ, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, because this is your spiritual act of worship. You know, worship has got kind of a, a funky thing lately, right? Because everybody has their own definitions of worship. OK, and man, there's times of worship when you're praising God in song and there's times of worship. But th this is one of those ones that almost always gets left out. Is this idea, of ur I urge you to present your bodies. Now, here's what I've had a hard time with. Okay? This is what I've struggled with for years and years and years. Is I read the Bible, and I'm going, okay, I'm, I, I see that. Present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So, okay, well, how am I going to do that? 
and I start thinking about things. And what's interesting is I start kind of just thinking of behavioral changes and I start thinking like, okay, but man, I don't know. I mean, I, I wrestle embarrassingly enough. I kind of can wrestle with this idea of going, yeah, but I'm kind of pretty good though. You know, I mean, I think I do. Like I, I begin to decide what it means to present my body as a living sacrifice based on me and my own performance and all these things. And I'm just like, yeah, okay. And I kind of wrestle with that a little bit, except here's where it gets misread. This is not written to a single person. This right here may be the single like golden nugget that we can take from this entire section is this section isn't saying, Mike, you go and present your body as living sacrifice. Lauren, you go and do that. Ben, you go and do that. He's saying Roman church. I urge you to present your body as a living sacrifice. Some versions of your Bible say living sacrifices. That's old. It's in the original Greek. It's that there was one sacrifice that the community would come together and offer us as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. And of all the things I think I could possibly preach about, that may be the one thing that is most difficult to get buy-in on. Is, is, hold on a minute. So he's talking to an entire church. So, so we all sat down and we were listening to this. And, and he goes, no, Clemson Foothills Church, I urge you, because God's been merciful to you, because you haven't been treated as your sins and deserve, Offer your body. And so the first question we've got to ask ourselves is, am I even in on that? Because and we're going to dig in a little bit more onto this, but we do live in a world where, hey, what we're doing here today is like, it's no big deal. That's what the world's saying. That's what the Christian world is saying. Hey, it's no big deal. You just kind of show up. And, and, and years ago, we tried to wrestle with this idea. And I think we, and I know myself, I did this, is I tried to communicate the importance of community by really just encouraging people, you need to be here when the church meets, okay? And that's an important principle, but it misses the depth. It misses the depth of what God is calling us to, where it's like, if you're waiting for me to tell you to come here on Sunday or come here on a midweek or show up to your family, if you're waiting for me to do it and, and you think that I have some authority to be like, why aren't you going to family group? And then you do or something like that. I'm like, we are missing. We are missing something so desperately because we don't realize the church is the bride of Christ. This is so, what's happening here when we come together is so vital and so important. We ask the wrong questions. Do I have to go? That's the wrong question. It's the idea of here's the deal. This is how God transforms us. Okay. I, I don't expect you to buy that right off the bat, but I want you to wrestle with that. Is we are transformed in community, not in individuality. We aren't transformed independently of our community. And what ends up happening is, is our Bibles have been translated singularly for so long, we think that, no, we, we've, we've coined a phrase, my personal relationship with Jesus. Go, where on earth do you find that? I don't know. Where do you find that? Listen, what we're going to read in a few minutes is, I belong to you. 
That is my personal relationship to Jesus. Okay, this is, this is tough. But we aren't, listen, th- this is one of those things. I think it's very easy in church to try to get about five miles like wide. And how can we pack in more people and more people and more people? And forget that, hold up a minute. We can have a million people in here. If there isn't a commitment that we are coming together and we are, we are a community that will be transformed, that we're a community of people. Like, but how are we supposed to do that? Here's the beautiful thing of Romans. He's about to give us about 15 verses on how to do that. But again, if we read it independently as just, as just an individual, it gets weird and tough. And here's what it requires me to do. It requires me to compare myself to you and you to compare yourself to me and go, well, who's better and who's more righteous and all of these things instead of going, hold on a minute. If, if you want to be together in the Clemson Foothills Church, okay, that is a major commitment beyond just, man, I'm really tired. I don't know if I want to go. But I can go to other churches and they don't even mind. I go to different church every single week and all those kind of things. I'm going, okay. Here's what I know. That will end in futility. It will, because it isn't Jesus' will. It's not how he does things, right? And I know this is really tough. We're going to talk about it, but I want us to really lock our minds into transformation will take place in community. He says, present your bodies holy and pleasing. This is your spiritual worship. And then he goes into this, and this is what's amazing. He gives us this line, don't be conformed to this age. Don't be conformed to this age. I think Paul would have had our attention at this point. I urge you, Clemson Foothills Church, I urge you to do these things. I urge you to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. And don't conform to this age. But isn't it just a given that churches don't conform to this age? No. No. It's not at all. I mean, there is, you want to start a fight, man, say that there are churches that don't follow the will of God. But, but here's what we do is we kind of go back and forth. And, and listen, we all do this. We, we complain about the state of Christianity in America. How bad it is. How terrible. It's so, so horrible. People are, are double-minded and hypocritical and political and all of these things, Okay. And then at the same time, us going, don't ever judge a choice I make. Do do you see there's inconsistency there? We've got to wrestle with that. Okay. I can't go, man, Christianity's all gone crazy, but let's keep doing the same thing as has always been done. And it's going to be different. We've got to wrestle with these things. Don't we conform to this age? Here's what's interesting about this. In Luke 12, Jesus tells this really great story. He said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, right away you say a storm is coming. And so it does. And when the south wind is blowing, you say it's going to be a scorcher. And it is. Hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why don't you know how to interpret this time? Jesus is saying, guys, why can't you interpret the age we're in? 
Why can't we understand and take a look at the age we're in? He said, you have the ability of doing things. You guys have heard that before, right? Like, like red sky at night, sailor's delight. Have you heard that before? It's like, you know, these guys out on the ocean are like, yeah, it's going to be a great day tomorrow when it's red out at night. But if it's red in the morning, like the sun, it's going to be a, a, a rainy day or something like that. And Jesus is just going, hold on a minute. You guys are so fancy. You guys are so like smart about all these things, but you don't even look around and see what's going on. Part of our transformation, and as we kind of lay this foundation of Romans 12, is for all of us to stop stop and take a look around. Like, look around your dorm, look around your office, look around the world, look around. Okay, that that was one of the things that, that spurred me on more than anything to get serious about Christianity and being a disciple. Okay, so when I was in college down at FSU, it was one of those things where, man, I mean... The one thing about athletic trainers and being in sports medicine and all that is we loved, it's great working with athletes, but that is a group of people that they, they party, they drink, they, man, we, we spent a lot of our off time drinking a lot, okay? And, and that's what we would do, okay? And so I remember sitting, I went to a, church, a different church and I would go, you know, um, Golly, it was Sunday evening because I wasn't going to get up Sunday morning super early, okay? And so Sunday evening, and, uh, and I remember looking around after just being totally just drunk as can be the night before. And I'm looking around, I'm like, we were all together last night. Like everyone in this place, we were all together, okay? And then I, as I looked around, I was like, hold on a minute. Can this be what Christianity is all about? Because I feel miserable today. And all I'm praying about is that God doesn't make, you know, like, just send me to hell. I just, I just am so empty right now. And then, so part of the church was you could go and, and you could meet directly with the priest, the church leader. You could, you could confess your sins to him and he would say everything's okay. And so I went down and they have that on a special day, like a Saturday morning or something. And I remember going down and looking at that and, and the room's filled. I'm like, this looks just like the bar we were in last night. And now we're all begging for forgiveness. I'm like, is this what it's supposed to be? Because we're all miserable in here. Okay? And, and I'm telling take a look around. Okay? The, the situation of Christianity around us looks exactly like the world. It looks exactly like the world. And we've become kind of okay with that. Okay? He says, don't conform. This is what he's telling us, me and you together. Don't conform anymore to this age. So here's the question. What is this age? Right? What is that? What what can we look at that is really kind of like identifying some? Here's a start, but this is going to take all of us to dig into, okay? But here's a start. A gospel is proclaimed predominantly that is about forgiveness, and that's awesome. But discipleship is, is completely just separate kind of a, a, a um, discipleship is optional. Okay, what does that mean? We change Jesus' words. We say, hey, come to, here, come to the church and believe in Jesus, and then you can be saved, and you can be forgiven for your sins. Except if Jesus was sitting in the room, he would go... Can I say something? Actually, what I said is if you want to follow me, you need to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. 
That's exactly what I said, okay? That, that's not what we normally, that our age spiritually, the age we live in is saying, hey, come on, we need more money and we need more people in the seats and we need more all of these things. So just believe and feel good. And that's the gospel. I, I was listening and at All In, I'm just telling you, when I'm at All In Coffee Shop, I'm listening to everyone's conversation around me. As much as I can, I'm listening to it. Okay? And, and I heard somebody going, man, I just shared the gospel over and over and over again the other day. It was so awesome. And people were just so fired up about it. And, and I thought, you know, that's amazing because Jesus did the same thing and people weren't fired up about it. But see, if the gospel is just you can be forgiven by Jesus, well, okay, that's cool. But hold on, he's our king. Are you willing to deny yourself as well? That's the age. It, also in this age, sin We've defined it as anything that makes you feel bad about yourself. That's secular sin. So we live in an age where it's like, hey, if you feel bad, listen, then that's wrong. Whatever's making you feel bad is wrong. Instead of going, you know what? Oftentimes I'm my worst enemy. I feel bad because of the decisions I make. I really can't blame it on anyone else. Abstinence from anything is seen as repressive. You're crazy. Why, why would you say no to what God has given us? Abstaining from anything is seen as repressive. It's an age of consumerism and materialism. It's a hypercritical age. It's an age where every single person is an expert because we have Google. Because when we go see our doctors... We go home and we Google it and all of a sudden we know more. Which is absolutely amazing because I'm fairly certain if I were to say I was a doctor and I'm like, no, Mike, come and see me. I can like check you out and see how healthy you are. He's like, well, what kind of credentials do you have? Well, I looked up, I looked up things on Google. I have answers. We would be like, I am not going to you. But there aren't any experts anymore. It's amazing, even spiritually speaking, it's amazing how often there are arguments among people about like certain teachings in the Bible that they've never studied before but are an expert in. It happens all the time. Discipleship, salvation, the church. Like there can be so many arguments like, well, but I'm an expert in that. But, but we're not experts. But this is the age we live in. We want the benefit of the kingdom, but not the king, right? Everybody wants peace and joy. Everybody wants contentment. Everybody in this world wants love. Everybody in this world wants all of those things, except I don't want Jesus coming in here as my king. All right, this is the age we live in and completely noncommittal, right? Like don't commit to anything because something better may come up. Does that sound familiar? You ever done that before? All right. Hey, 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 this Friday we're going to go do something. Oh, I don't know. Then Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. Well, nothing better came up, so okay. Okay, that's not, that's this age, okay? And there's more to it. We, we want to look into this more. But hopefully this helps us to see, to see things just a little clearly. I'm, we're not trying to fix every problem here. Does anybody know what that means, the canary in the coal mine? So people would go into the mine. Miners would go into mines long ago, right? And they would bring a canary with them. 
And what would happen is, is if there were like, like certain gases that were being produced under there, the canary would die and you would go, okay, that's our warning to get out. Okay. And so there was this term, the canary in a coal mine. All right. Do we see what those are? And these are them. This is the world we live in is anxiety is the canary in the coal mine. All of us should be saying, what is the matter? I mean, it is, anxiety is skyrocketing in our world. And it's not just a skyrocketing. It's younger and younger and younger. That is a canary in the, in the coal mine is for us to go, something's wrong, guys. Something's wrong here for this to happen. Depression. And again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not talking that there isn't like chemical imbalances and all these things, but the, the vast majority is not that. The canary in the coal mine, at some point we've got to stop and go, something's wrong with what's happening in this world. Because this isn't what I see Jesus teaching. This isn't the benefits of being in the spirit, right? And suicide. We, we lament these things. We, over, we dramatize these things. But very rarely does anybody go, something's wrong. Something's wrong with our communities. Something's wrong with our faith. Something's wrong with our parenting. Something's wrong with our schooling. There is something distinctly wrong when suicide is the second leading cause of death for people 15 to 24 years old. And at some point, if, the, if we as a community don't go, hey, hold on. You want to know what? Let, let's not conform to this age. Because we see what this age is giving back. We see what the philosophies of the world have given back. We've seen a Christian nation, supposedly, and this is what has been given back. These are the canaries in the coal mine. At what point is the church, and that's what we're being asked by Paul, is to go, don't conform anymore to this age. Because you're going to get more of this. Don't conform anymore to arrogance and, and kind of this idea of being an expert in everything. Don't conform any longer to discipleshipless gospel. Don't conform anymore to just this idea of, hey, you're okay, I'm okay, I'm not going to say anything hard. We can't conform any longer to that. And this is the answer. This is the point. This is what Paul is talking about. Is th this doesn't happen outside of a community, a Christian community. And again, we're setting this up right here. And I hope it challenges every single one of us to reevaluate. How am I entering into this community? How, how am I entering into this community? Let me give you just a little quick definition. The diverse group, and when I say diverse, I mean all kinds of diversity. I'm talking about racial diversity, socioeconomic diversity, generational diversity. Listen, here's the thing is, is I love campus ministry, okay? But you just lump a bunch of college kids together for too long, it gets weird. Okay? You take, you take a church that's just old people, it's going to get weird. Okay? Is here, here's the deal, is we have to stop looking everywhere else but the Christian community to follow Jesus. Okay? The, the Christian community should be diverse on a number of levels. Disciples who come together to know and be known. Okay? So that's my question. Okay? 
is he, this is, I'm not speaking anywhere else, but I'm going, if I'm hearing this letter and we're reading this today, it's this letter is being read to the Clemson Foothills Church. And one of the, one of the clear practicals that has to happen in a community is I have to enter in a community and be known by one another and know. And that just requires time. It requires effort. It requires energy. It requires me to hang out with people I might normally hang out with. This is what it requires. This is, this is kind of what's being laid down here in Romans 12. And we have to ask ourselves, am I willing to do that? Because, listen, I know people come in and out all of the time. And this is one of those huge things that's miss, missed out on is if you don't know other people from different groups in this community, we'll all suffer from it. I've never seen, in my experience, a healthier group when me and Abby were working with campus and teens down in Tallahassee. I became a disciple in 23. My parents became disciples in their 60s, okay? And my parents immediately were like, we are getting, I mean, their home became, they were grandma and grandpa, okay? And it was like college kids were over there eating dinner. I mean, it was all, we had never experienced a healthier teen or campus ministry than when you have this intergenerational racial diversity, right? This is what he's saying right here. Let us offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, that means I'm not the boss of me anymore and you're not the boss of you anymore. But let us all agree on that and live it out together. Let, let this be what our common like verbiage is, is that we're all coming together to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. But here's the tough part. OK, we have to relinquish a measure of our freedom if we're going to have a healthy community. OK. Every single one of us, we have to decide that we're going to give up some freedom. And that may scare the pants off of you. You go, man, I knew there's something wrong with this church. <laughs> Taking away my freedom, man. Except if I'm going to make a commitment to a community and to follow Jesus and to do it his way, there are things I must say no to. And that is, that, that is backing itself up onto my freedom. Well, aren't I free to do? Aren't I free to do fifteen different things? Aren't I free to make my own decisions? Aren't I free? Yeah, yeah. But you'll be utterly frustrated in the community of Christ. So this is the toughest part, and I think this is the question we have to ask ourselves: Am I willing to give up some of my freedom for spiritual community? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. This guy right here, John Mark Homer, he kind of summed it up. He said, you know, he leads a church in Portland, Oregon. He says, listen, in his community, he said, we ache for community. People ache for community, but they're unwilling to commit to a community because commitment is a restraint and our world sees any restraint as bad. So this section we're reading right here isn't a section just merely to be like agreed to or like, oh, yeah, that's right. We should be more diverse. We should be more. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about that. The rubber meets the road when I go, hold on a minute. Th this group, I belong to you. 
and you can say what you need to say to me, but we're going to be in a relationship and we're going to love one another. It's amazing because as this method goes, you know, if you're if, if you have any any ounce of like a soft heart towards lost people. OK, Jesus said, this is how the world will know you're my disciples. Love each other as I've loved you. OK, love each other as I've loved you. Right. It requires this for there are people we love who aren't in Christ. That isn't an independent mission for us to go on. But we're going to have to examine some things. So nobody knows what we do. Like when you go off and you go and do your own thing and you're in your apartment, or you're in your house or you're with your, you know, with your family and the behind closed doors and all those kind of things. If what's coming out of your mouth is hypercritical, if what's coming out of your mouth is is just, you know, frustration with brothers and sisters and all those kind of things. You have to understand something is you have just taken control of your own life because you've said, Jesus, I'm not doing it your way. I won't do it your way, right? Because he says we love each other. He doesn't say when everybody's doing great or when everybody's likable. No, no, no. When we come together and and we're going to see, man, this is just the start of all of these things he's going to call us to in a healthy community. So paraphrasing this whole section, because of all the mercy God has shown, come together rejecting the norms of the world. Okay, this, this is something we're going to need to pray about, wrestle with, to really be real about this, to reject the norms of the world and to collectively renew our thinking to be kingdom focused. He says, this little last section of Romans 12, 2, then you'll be able to know the will of God, his good, pleasing and perfect will. There's probably not a single person in here that hasn't said, what is God's will in my life? Okay. Right. I'm not saying that God isn't like individually like wanting and and having this perfect path for you. But we have to understand something. God is speaking in community, not individually oftentimes. So it's not so much how can I find God's will for me? But how can how can we find God's will for us? For, uh, for this community, right? How, how do we know what his will is when we engage the poor and orphans and widows and international missions and, and special contributions and all these kind of things? It's when we collectively say, here's the deal. We can look one another in the eye and say, I'm, I'm with you. We're offering our bodies as living sacrifices. Like I'm laying my life down because what Jesus calls us to. And you know what's fascinating about all of that? If you were to to pull yourself completely out of the Christian world, there isn't anything more fulfilling than community. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.